Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what's up? I noticed that you ask me that every week and I always forget to ask you what's up. So this time I'm going to ask you what's up. It's raining. I am having a very ADHD day and that's about it. I haven't gotten a lot done yet because I've had a bunch of random meetings and I have this thing where like if I have a meeting in an hour, then I get nothing done in that hour. So it's been one of those days. Hopefully after this recording, I can sit down and focus. We'll see. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just play Call of Duty. Like an... <laughs> I kind of have an ADHD moment too, but I'm actually like hyper-focused on what I'm working on because I'm learning about the mobile app and that's pretty fun. I was hyper-focused last week. We do like support week at Podia. So like instead of what I've done in the past where like there's support day where depending on the day, you might be the person handling support tickets. We do like a support week. So it's you and your partner handling support tickets. And it was like in the middle of like really complicated project that I've been stressing about. And I was so happy to have a support week and just bang out things and just feel really productive. So I had a great week last week trying to carry it over. But at the end of the last week, I was sick and still dealing with something. I don't know what I'm dealing with, but feeling better today, mostly. So yeah, that's what's up. Me too. I don't know what the heck was happening to me. I did not get out of bed on Saturday. I slept Uh, all day. Yeah. Alrighty. I'm excited because today we're talking about strings. I love a good string. You love a good string, Julie? What kind of string? A good one. (laughs) (laughs) Valid encoded one and one that is good. (laughs) Good strings. Well, you want to talk about chomp instead? All right. Well, string chomp is one of the first methods I learned when learning Ruby. And that's probably because one of the first things that you learn is try to get user input. So chomp returns a new string with don't know what given record separator removed from the end of string if present is. That, that's basically optional argument. Wait, optional argument? Yeah, so you can pass a separator to chomp. And so it, it returns a new string with the given record separator removed from the end of string. So if the dollar sign backslash has not been changed from the default Ruby records separator, then chomp also removes carriage return characters. And if dollar sign backslash is empty string, it'll remove all trailing new lines from the string. So I think it depends on like the separator that you pass. Because by default, if you have like hello and it has a new line character at the end and you call chomp, it will remove that. That's what I learned when I was first learning Ruby. But I'm seeing that you can actually pass in things, which is what's so great about Ruby is I keep learning new things about (laughs) these methods. Yeah. One example here, if you have hello and you call chomp, you can actually pass LLO and that will chomp the LLO from hello and just return HE. So by default, it's like, most people are calling it probably without a separator and then chopping off like new lines or carriage returns or things like that. But you can pass a separator and get more fine grain with it. Nice. Well, today yeah. I learned. I think I knew this, but I forgot because I think by default, I normally just call chomp and it does what I typically want it to. Do you use chomp much? Not much, but I definitely use it, especially if you have maybe you're trying to sanitize input. That's a great example of when you might use chomp. That's what comes to mind first for me when I'm like, when would I use chomp? Oh, I want to sanitize input. I don't want new line characters or carriage returns at the end of this input string. 
I want it to be just a string. Nice. How is that different from strip to so, your offer? Yeah. So strip returns a copy of the receiver with the leading and trailing white space removed. So chomp returns a new string with the given record separator removed from the end of string. Strip will remove it from everywhere, I think. But it's mostly for white space. Yeah. It returns a copy of the receiver with leading and trailing white space removed. I usually call strip and chomp maybe together. I definitely do that sometimes where I'm like, okay, I want to remove any extra spaces and I want to remove any carriage returns or anything like that. You can kind of call them together and that's a nice way to do that. Oh, like dot chomp dot strip or something? Yeah. Nice. Because one thing that I think of immediately is like sometimes you paste things into inputs and that may include formatting from wherever you copied it from. So like that might be extra spaces, extra new line returns that you can't see because by default, you don't see those carriage returns in the input box. Like, and I even catch myself doing this. Like I'll paste something into an input. And I'm like, why is this not valid? And it's because I accidentally had a space or something. So just to ensure that never happens. For instance, I'm thinking of like inputting an email. They might've accidentally included a space in that email, but that's not valid. And if you're not doing something, typically you'll have like an email regex. And I think even Rails might include one to like perfectly validate it. But this is another way to be like, hey, Go ahead and if they accidentally included a space, just strip it out. The annoying thing about the space after the email is say I'm on my phone and I am trying to complete the email because it's saved. So I don't know how my mobile app is saving it, but when I want to use the email that's already saved, it adds the space at the end of my email. And I always just remove it because I am OCD about that and I want to remove right. it. I'm always curious, like what would happen if I just send it through? Ideally, it will work, right? Because on the back end, it's like, hey, let's strip out these extra characters and then they'll have the correct email. But if it's not, then they're just going to return like, hey, invalid email. And you got to be like, why? Because you can't see that space. You kind of can. like, You can see like maybe a little space in the input, but it's a lot harder to see it. So that's why I think it's a nice UX thing to be. Just go ahead and strip out those characters. Yeah, that makes sense. What we got next? Split's a good one. I definitely use this. So split divides the string into substrings based on a delimiter returning an array of these substrings. And you can pass it a pattern and a limit. And you can also pass it a block if you want to. You can pass it a limit. Yes. So basically your limit will split it. I don't know. understand that. If the limit parameter is omitted, trailing null fields are suppressed. If limit is a positive number, at most that number of split substrings will be returned. If the limit is one, the entire string is returned as the only entry in the array. If negative, there is no limit to the number of fields returned and trailing null fields are not suppressed. Can you provide an example? (laughs) (laughs) Yes-ish. It looks like mainly has to do with whether or not you want null entries in the array. So like you could split it. If you have one, two, three, four, but there's several commas in between, then splitting that on the comma and passing negative four will include the empty entries. This one is hard to explain. We'll have these links in the show notes. People can go look at these examples on the Ruby docs. I've never passed a limit to split. I do pass delimiters. One very common one I see here is like you have a bunch of comma delimiters in your string, and then you want to split that into each their separate array. I do that definitely. 
when you read from a file, like a CSV file. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There's like CSV things in Ruby you probably would use, but that is an example, yeah, of take this line, split it into its categories. Yeah, that's 100% where you could use it. That's a good one. The thing I find myself doing is like I'll split, but then I'll turn it back into a string. Sometimes just to remove certain characters or something. But yeah, split's a good one. Oh, that's not on our list. You would join them by what? Well, at that point, it would be an array because this returns an array. Oh, I see. So what you would do is you would split it, say, on the space or something, and then you would get an array back of the strings after it's been split. And then you do something with the array. Or you could just join it. So like you would use dot join from the array methods. Got it. And that could be how you format, like you could split it and then join it using a special format. Join doesn't have to be with a space. It could be with a comma or it could be with dashes or something like that. So it could be like a way of formatting text a certain way. I now remember when I saw where it was used, a ID that we get back, like it's a string, but it's got dashes in them. But in Mm -hmm. another service, we don't use the dashes. So we split on the dashes and then join them to get our clean ID. I I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly where I would use it. Hi there, Julie here. I would like to take a moment to thank GoReels for sponsoring this episode. When I was first starting out, I struggled with finding up-to-date content to help me level up. Then I learned about GoReels. Not only does GoReels provide new screencasts weekly, they also have two fantastic instructors that break down complex topics into digestible chunks. On top of that, I really appreciate when they explain the whys behind the subject. One of my favorite walkthroughs is creating your first Ruby gem from scratch. What a great way to learn by stripping down to just the basics. If you care about leveling up as a Ruby engineer, you can't go wrong with GoReels. Check it out at GoRails.com. Well, now we're on to valid encoding. So hopefully people aren't running into this, but I have. In Ruby, the valid encoding that we kind of all want is UTF-8. And that's just a formatting style. I'm not going to get into the different types of formatting styles that is outside the scope of this discussion. But UTF-8 is normally what you want in Ruby. And so that's pretty much the default, I think, in the US, but if you're from a different country, like the formatting might be different, the normal formatting for your like browser or for your text editor for this or that. And so one thing that you can have happen is a string that is not UTF-8 encoded being sent to your app. If your app can't correctly do anything with it, it's like, hey, I don't know what encoding this is. I can't correctly operate on this. Then that just errors out. So I've run into issues with this at CodeFund specifically where we were having things happening all over the world from different sites. And we were getting these things coming back that were not UTF-8 encoded. And so one thing you can call is valid encoding, true or false, or valid encoding question mark on a string. And it will tell you whether that's encoded correctly. The other thing is you can force encoding to UTF-8 and then call valid encoding. Because some things you can't force to UTF-8 correctly. So typically people will call force encoding UTF-8 and then call valid encoding to make sure it's UTF-8 encoded. This is like a very specific problem that probably most people won't run into a lot, if at all. But I have used this specifically before and wanted to call it out. 
So what happens when it is false? What do you do next? Then you have to make a decision in your business logic, basically. At that point, typically, I'm going to bail out because what am I going to do with it if I can't correctly read it? Or if it's not valid, like I'm not putting it on my database, certainly, because you definitely don't want to do that because your database should be UTF-8 as well. So you kind of need to stop and either if this is user input, then you can be like, hey, this is not valid. Go back. If it's sent in from an API, which I think is what the case was when I ran into it, then you're just going to have to return an error or just stop because you don't want your program to error out later because of this poorly encoded string. So how did you determine that it was a problem? We were getting did errors to... in our error okay. monitoring in Honey Badger. So Honey Badger is giving us an error. Hey, invalid encoding, raised an error. This was years ago, so I don't remember the exact, you know, everything around it. But we saw the error come up in our error monitoring service. And at that point, I had to dive in and be like, okay, how is this happening? What is happening? How is this even getting here? And then make a decision as to what to do about it. I think we just rejected it. We were like, hey, we can't do anything with this. So this string is not welcome in our application, basically. (laughs) So that's valid encoding. All right. Moving on to sub. Sub returns a copy of itself with only the first occurrence, not all occurrences of the given pattern replaced. So you call sub on a string and you can pass it a pattern so... I'm going to make up my own example. Let's say the string is hello and the pattern is L and I want to replace L with P. So if I call sub with L and comma P, it will return H-E-P-L-O since it only returns the first occurrence. Yes, you got that exactly right. So if you call hello hello.sub, and then you pass it L and P, it will return H-E-P-L-O. It will place the first occurrence of the L with the P. And then you can get more regexy with the pattern if you want to. That's what pattern is here. So it can be a regex or a string. Gotcha. How is sub different from G-sub? Yes. So G-sub is the next one on our list. And I use this one infinitely more than sub because the main difference is that it replaces all occurrences instead of just the first. So sub replaces the first, a G sub will replace all. So like in our example a second ago, where we're taking hello and we're subbing in the first L for a P, G sub with the same code where hello.g sub L and P will return HEPO, H-E-P-P-O, because it's replaced all occurrences of the L with the P. And you can pass it a block. You can also pass it a block to a sub, but one example I'm looking at of passing a block, because I've never passed a block to G-sub, but you could do Apollo12.gsub, and then they're using a regex. And then in the block, they're doing num2i.next. So what it returns is Apollo13, because they're basically G-subbing the number, and then they're taking that number and they're adding one to it, basically. So Apollo12, Apollo13 with G-sub. Interesting. Yes. We'll put a link to this article I'm looking at from pretty sure this is the author of Rubocop, but I've never passed a block to GSUB before. I would be very curious if any of our listeners do and what the use case is for that. Yeah. This example I'm looking at that we'll put in the show notes, like I said, is very interesting. So I have to keep that one in my back pocket. Well, next we got slice, which returns the substring of self specified by the arguments. 
String slice is an alias for string bracket. Ah, so yes. I think okay. Can... <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's right here. So string slice is a sh- alias for string brackets. Okay, did not know that, but that makes sense. Square, so, bar- square brackets. Correct. So like if you take bar and you use the shorthand, so brackets two, it will return the R, which is the second index of that string because it starts at zero. So B would be zero. A would be one. R would be two. You slice that at two, it returns the R. So do you use slice or bracket? I think I actually use them interchangeably. I don't use slice a lot. I can't actually remember the last time I used it, but I definitely use this bracket notation. I did not know it was an alias for slice. I guess in my brain, what happened when you used the brackets is that it converted the string into an array, but that maybe that's not true. Maybe that's what happens under the hood. Who knows? But yeah, this is basically a way to like cut out certain characters from a string. Oh, you're right. It is like an index. It's just grabbing the index of wherever... So like in our example bar, like I said, two is R, that's the second index. But if you were to pass in bar three, it will return nil because there is no third index. Okay, that's cool. I guess I never knew that was an alias for slice because I don't think I use slice, but I've seen slice in other languages. You can also pass like two options. So like if you had bar and you pass zero to two, that will turn BA because it's the zero. Not including the second one. Not including the second one, correct. It's example of bar zero, zero. It would just return an empty string because it's not including the second integer. Right. That is funny. These string ones are a little harder to explain than the other ones we've gone through so far. I'm realizing pretty visual. Yeah, I know. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime should not be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Get started today in as little as five minutes at honeybadger.io with plans starting at free. Yeah, you heard me, free. A big thank you to Honey Badger for sponsoring this episode of Ruby for All. Let's move on. We'll move to delete prefix, which is an easier one to understand. So it returns a copy of the string with a leading prefix deleted. So if you have hello, delete prefix, H-E-L, it will return L-O. And I use this one sometimes. One example I can think of right off the top of my head is like Google's two-factor authentication. It sends you a code that's like G-12345. And when you paste it into the box, you can paste it as G-12345, but it's actually only looking for the numbers because the G- is like in the input. And so I don't think they're using Ruby, but one way they might be doing that is like, hey, when it comes in, if it has a G- delete that prefix from the string. That makes a lot of sense. And so if someone actually pasted it in, just the number and not the G dash and you pass in the G dash, then it just won't do anything. And at least it doesn't error out because that would be not great. Yeah. It's a nice little simple one, but comes in handy when you know when you need it. And like you could solve this other ways, like we've kind of talked about, but it's a nice Ruby method. Delete prefix, delete suffix is another one, which obviously just deletes the suffix. 
Yeah, it's one of those like Ruby methods that you're like, oh, yes, that's so readable. I know exactly what this is doing. I could imagine doing with the G dash subbing, for example. Well, I don't know. Could you sub, like put in G dash and just replace it with an empty string? Would yeah. it error out if it can't find it or would it just... I think it returns nil. Oh, then maybe we don't want that. I don't know why I just said that because I don't really know if that's true or not. <laughs> well, I'm going to test it out right now. Oh yeah, it doesn't do anything and it returns the string itself. Cool. But that isn't as intuitive. Like to read someone else's code, delete prefix makes a lot more sense in this situation. Right. And that's why like, it's one of those nice readable Ruby methods. I think our last one is swap case, which you really like. I like it because I had one of these code word challenges that basically told me to swap the cases. And I was trying all sorts of things to try to swap the cases. and. I think I went down this path of going to each letter and then switching the case. I don't know when you would actually need to use swap case, but it was kind of cool because you basically, if you had like capital H E and then lowercase E L L O, and if you run swap case on it, it'll return lowercase H and then uppercase E L L O. Yeah. I think this is one of those like fun review methods. I don't know when I would use it mm-hmm. outside of a coding war either. <laughs> but it's fun to know that it exists. It says you can pass in options. It does say that, but it doesn't say what the options are. It the casing may be affected by the given option C case mapping, which is a broken link. So, oh well, we tried. That is funny. <laughs> you can pass some form of our options to this. I'm not sure what they are. Cool. Well, this one was a little harder. Do you have anything else you want to cover? Before we wrap it up? No, this was pretty hard, but it's one of those things where I get a little bit better understanding of the fundamentals of a string. And yeah, this was fun. Hopefully our listeners feel the same way. If you have any other string methods that you particularly like or use a lot of, please let us know. Yeah, let us know what your favorite one is. But on that note, I think we'll get into our next part next week. But that's it for strings in this week. So Julie, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I will catch you and the listeners next week. Bye. Bye everyone.